Hello, Joe. Hello, Nick. So, yeah, welcome back to episode two of this podcast, however long it takes. The plan today is to sort of expand on what we were talking about last week, the, the continuing setup of the club. Um, we got to a point whereby the community started to be aware of us. Um, and let's just see how it goes from there. So last we spoke, John, we were in a Mexican restaurant, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, the meet and greet. And uh, that mm-hmm. would be, let's go back. Our timeline would be November of 17. Wow, that was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, so we're in the, uh, we had the meet and greet. And at, at that point, we were starting to kind of work on uh, season ticket holder memberships to try to drum up a little bit of uh, interest and revenue. Obviously, the revenue is helpful, but but to be able to tell, you know, potential partners, sponsors, whatever, members in the community that, yeah, and we've already got X number of people that have put a little bit of money behind what we're doing. Um, that was a kind of a strong aspect for us moving forward so we started to kind of push that a little bit about that time Uh, and Mm -hmm. i think i touched on we had we had just that week gotten our um, agreement in place with niu so we had a venue and we were sort of off and running sort of okay just just before we go on any further the in just in case anyone missed it last week um the little bit of money we've got but you you alluded to of having behind you that was almost pocket change right the, the four five six board members just putting in just to have to set up a bank account we're not talking tens of thousands of dollars here no that's right we yeah we started uh dollar by dollar um and even even selling our memberships you know for i think it was 40 or 50 dollars the first year mm-hmm. um, you know you get 20 20 of those times 50 bucks and you got a thousand bucks and then that's when we kind of started rolling things around a little bit and um just kind of working through um, the finances of it and, and little by little, just keep growing those things. Sure. And the, the membership that you were selling, A, how did you come to that price point? And B, um, how did you position it to to the people that you wanted to buy, buy it? Well, we, I think thinking back now, you're really testing my memory here. I think <laughs> what we did, I talked to a, you know, yeah, I talked to a lot of clubs and kind of asked them. And then obviously you can see what, what other teams are charging for like an annual membership or a season ticket package or whatever. And I mean, at the time, we didn't even know how many games we were going to play. So mm-hmm. what is the what is the value of it? Well, I'm not sure. Uh, let's pick a number and try it because, you know, there there's no previous um, – real market example in our community to say, well, this is what they charge and it works for them because there really isn't any other minor league type of thing here. Um, so we just kind of picked numbers that we thought were reasonable and w- people could afford. I think, I think we even had a point of sale system that allowed uh, recurring monthly. So mm-hmm. people could sign up for it for like as little as five bucks a month. Um, and, and then we could, really spread the payments out. Um, so that was something we tried, but I think our, I think our regular season ticket membership was like 50 bucks. And I think we did a, uh, family that was either 120 or 150 for 
five. We actually did a kid season ticket, which was only 25 bucks. Um, so we tried a couple different things and really just wanted to see what would stick. And, uh, and we, and it it was working out, but it was a slow buildup because despite, Oh great. You got a venue still no players, no coach, no, no league. What are you really doing here? And, uh, (laughs) so it was still a tough sell. Give us, give us money on, on trust. So, so I, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole. This is a conversation for another day. But the, when we're talking about membership, really what we're saying is just a season ticket. We're not talking in terms of club ownership or voting rights or anything. Well, we did. I think we included, um, I think we included a scarf. Mm-hmm. And even, you know, you think outside the box. So we, the, the deal with the scarf was you pick it up at the first game you attend next year. So it's not... Yeah you get, we're going to have to ship it now and we're going to spend $10 to ship it to you. We were very conscious of those kinds of things that, and plus we want you to come to the games. Sure. We, we appreciate the financial, the 50 bucks, but we want you to come experience it because we are confident it's going to be a hell of a show and we don't want you to miss it. So Mm -hmm. it was kind of another way to get people out to those first couple of games. Um, So we did have some voting rights. Um, what what happened with us was it just didn't translate into a lot of things because a lot of the decisions were, I mean, they're happening constantly, you know, they're happening in text messages they're happening in this and that. And we don't have time necessarily to put a, a big, here's, here's your options for Jersey colors or for whatever, you know? Um, but what we did is we, we tried to go back to those members and say, you know, here, here's a survey of, whatever 10 questions of what you want to see this is your club we want to do what we we want to make it what you want it to be and we kind of took surveys like that where you could hit 10 things at once and then we could mold it based on the results of that without saying hey we're having an election for home jersey color you know it because in in reality i think a lot of the people that supported us it it, they were betting they were betting on us as individuals and the idea of the club, they don't necessarily, yeah, it's kind of neat to pick what color jersey or whatever at the time, but it not, you know, I don't, I don't think it, I don't think they supported us because they got to make up some of those decisions. No, for sure. For sure. Okay. And this is all happening alongside like the launch party and everything else, right? There's, there's not, it's not a stage by stage process. It's just sort of rolling and rolling and rolling. Uh, yeah. And one thing, one thing that was interesting, I told this story to somebody recently, um, but there was a point before the launch party in November, there was a point maybe, um, September, October, August, I don't know, sometime that fall where, um, we had, we had publicly kind of launched, we had spent the money for the nonprofit stuff. We had, you know, really kind of, we're rolling and we hit this weird spot we ended up having a one of our very very frequent meetings but we kind of all looked at each other like we gotta like we're not near where we thought we were going to be even though it's only been a couple of months like we Mm -hmm. were uh sort of terrified of man can we really you know we talked about thirty thousand dollars last time we talked Mm -hmm. we're no we're like we're kicking dirt here still we, you know, we had these big dreams, like we're going to just see the money coming in to support this thing and everybody's going to believe in it. And we had a made a formal decision as a group. It was like, do we need to 
do we need to think about a 2020, what, 2019 launch? Like maybe we can't play next year. Maybe we need more time. But I didn't like that. Uh, obviously, when you put so much time into stuff, you want to see movement. And uh, the, the board, we basically just decided, well, let's just pretend like everything's good and keep pushing and fake it till you make it. And that kind of became the mantra for a little bit that we don't really know how this is going to work out. But if we start letting on that there's issues before it even starts, you know, it can just really fall apart. So okay. we, had to, okay. we had to hunker down and, and keep moving forward. So what, what, generally speaking, what was, what was the reason that there was such a, a break between what you were, where you expected to be and where you actually were? Well, think? I think it was it was the uh, inconsistency between the dream that we had. You know, we think we launch in July of that seven July of twenty seventeen. We think everybody's going to just jump on board like gangbusters. Mm-hmm. And in reality, it was we have to do a lot of educating because it's what we're doing is brand new and it's a it's a new product. I mean, we're, we're a business and our product is a couple different things, but we have to explain to these people, we have to educate, you know, you know, about um, customer acquisition. It takes effort. It takes explaining what you are. It takes those things. So we didn't really know what we were getting into. Um, So that was the first thing was just our expectations didn't align with the immediate, Mm -hmm. um, you know, kind of satisfaction from it. So almost naivety of the, of the market you were walking into. Uh, That's a great way to put it inexperience and all, all those things lumped together yep okay sweet all right so we've now we've unveiled ourselves to the to the greater populace we've had this reveal party people are starting to come on board but not in the numbers that we want what's next how do we go from the idea to something tangible to um a structure you know of of coach of players of etc etc how do we get the word out um yeah so that that was a that was a legitimate concern I, I wouldn't say concern i guess we weren't really sure how we were going to solve the problems but we were confident we could find the right caliber players um so we uh we did realize quickly right about that november time frame of the of our meet and greet party that we got to get a coach on board to start looking at the soccer side of all of this because to that point we'd had seven or eight or nine months of strictly financial you know, we're, we're not paying attention. We're not thinking of four, four, two, four, two, three, one. We're thinking about um, tax forms and setting up the business and marketing. And so we had to get a coach on board, like just to take care of the competition side of it. So um, kind of made a short list of, of some people that we thought would be good candidates. We had some people reach out to us. I can't remember at the time if we actually posted something like posted the job. We might've done that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, got a handful of people we talked to. Uh, it's kind of a weird, you know, the anticipated schedule was April through the summer, which is kind of a good time for people because, you know, high school coaches are sort of available. College coaches are sort of available. So it opened up some doors for us and uh, had a few interviews with some people and talked about a lot of things. And, um, and, you know, at the end of the day, we, we brought Coach Gasan on and uh, he kind of he blew, our, blew our eyes open on uh, our interview, which was at a pizza place. 
And we sat and uh, he had all kinds of questions about the league and, you know, how to structure trainings and what, you know, what do you think for schedule? And I mean, he, he came, he was asking about substitution rules for the league, Mm -hmm. things that I, they were nowhere near (laughs) top of mind for me. And um, he had done his research and he was excited about the opportunity. And uh, uh, I thought he brought a lot of really good experience. And the thing about coach, I know you just love it when I just ramble, but the stuff, some of the stuff really just it makes, makes me smile. Make my job a lot easier, John. Well, so 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 coach's background, he had done a lot of different things. He'd he'd uh, coached at the junior college where I played, not when I was there, but he'd coached there. He had he had I don't know what it fifteen years of being a high school coach, both boys and girls varsity. He ran programs. Um, he has a fitness background at his regular job. Um, he brought a lot of, you know, that kind of that experience we were looking for. And even though he didn't have like, oh, he used to coach at a D one school or he used to coach for whatever. He was a guy just like a lot of the players where he was kind of looking for that next challenge to test himself as well, because Mm -hmm. he was ready. Okay. I've been doing high school, high school, high school, made state runs, been successful. Now I want to do something more. And I think this provided him that opportunity that he could kind of jump into it. And he, uh, he's still with us to this day because he's, he answers the phone when I call and he's always got more questions than I do. I mean, he's always <laughs> thinking about it and it's, it's really been a really great fit for us. Yeah. So it, it was as much about him buying into the ethos as anything else, I suppose then, right. Rather than just getting the most high profile or most inverted commas qualified guy you could get. You needed someone that understood why you were doing what you were doing. Yeah. A hundred percent. He's like that. And, and the other thing that uh, we recognize as an important thing was uh, even if we wanted to go make a big splash and get uh, whoever to come out and make a headline, the long term was more important to us that we need to establish a culture. And that means accountability mm-hmm. for the players, accountability for um, his coaching staff, whatever that looks like. We hadn't even thought that far yet. Um, but a, we want people to come in and realize when you come and play for our club, it, it's no longer about you. Yes, we're going to try to help you individually. But when you're here, it's about the greater good. And really trying to build that culture. So that was one thing that, that he brought. Um, and we, I mean, that's, you know, you get into that stuff where you got to deal with disciplinary issues or things like that. He, and I think he did a good job of holding people accountable that you don't come to training. You're not playing on Saturday. And mm-hmm. as soon as you lose those things, it's real hard to get it back. So we want to hit that hard right from the very beginning when we brought a, a coach on. And I guess, I mean, it's a flippant point, but I guess that's one of the upsides of, of, the the American system, the pyramid, right? Is that without the the progression of clubs, without the promotion and the relegation, you can be more authoritarian without risking the results. Because ultimately, other than a, t- a title, nothing changes next season, right? Right. So you you can in you can breed that culture of practice matters. If I'm not there, it, I'm not going to play. Because yes, we want to win but we want to build that culture more, I suppose. Well, and, and for us, uh, um, one of the things that we stressed with the players and we continue to is it's hard to bring players that live an hour away to DeKalb or Sycamore, DeKalb County, 
and help with an event. You know, that's a, that's a lot to ask of a player who's coming out two nights a week to train. Um, you know, maybe they're traveling to Milwaukee for a game on the weekend. And then we go, Hey, on Monday, an extra night, can you drive out here and do this youth camp or whatever? Mm -hmm. But that's one of the things we said, that's part of the gig here because this community is funding the club in many ways, shapes and forms. Our duty is to represent the community and give back. And if you're going to play for us, you have to be part of that. You know, it can't be, we don't, we try not to overwhelm anybody, but it, it's a big thing because we're not here without the community. And if, if they forget about us, then they're not, you know, they're not going to continue to support us and we won't be here. So uh, we have to create that culture where guys are willing to do the extra, even though it's not the fun stuff necessarily, or it's not, Hey, I just want to play. Well, we're more than that. And if that means some of the better players don't want to play for us, we are prepared to not have those guys. You know, if you're not the right guy, you're not the right guy. So yeah, we, we really stressed those things early on and coach did a good job of holding players accountable for those things. No, for sure. And I think we've seen that on the, on the pitch and after the pitch, right? You know, we'd, we'd love to get all 25, 30 guys to every community event we do, but there is a degree of connection between fans and players that we, that I haven't seen at other clubs when we've been to visit it. Um, and I th- I, I, hopefully it only gets bigger, right? The, the more our culture is established within the soccer community within a, an hour of DeKalb, the more, the, 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 I don't want to say the right sort of player because that's, that's not fair, but the more uh, the, the personality of the players that come to tryouts is in tune with what we're offering. Right. I hope, exactly. I would hope. Yeah. 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 All right, cool. Um, players then, since we're talking about them. You, the club was born out of a conversation in a rec league. How many of the players, before we get bigger, but how many of the players that you were playing with on a, on a Sunday night came to the tryouts or thought they wanted to be a part of it or assumed they'd be part of it? So, um, interesting approach. We, before we actually hired coach, we signed a handful of players that we knew that we knew well and we knew they would kind of jump on board with it. And we started to put the framework of a team together with some local guys because quite honestly, we didn't know how quickly we were going to find a coach and we, we Mm -hmm. didn't want to get to March or April and have not done any tryouts or whatever. And it's, you know, getting late. So we thought, well, let's start, let's start putting that team together. And uh, so we picked a handful of guys and then coach came on board and, and the deal, the deal with our coach is always you, you pick who plays. Um, and aside from those guys, I've had nothing to do with who makes any teams or who makes any starting lineup. It's all right. the coaching staff. And so we brought some of those local guys in that we knew could, could compete. Um, and certainly would have that local pride. You know, there's, there's something about sort of a homegrown, um, having that pride for the community they've grown up mm-hmm. in and they represent. Sure. So, so we had a couple of guys there and then uh, we put together the, a tryout plan where we thought, well, let's do, um, I think we ended up doing two open tryouts and then we did like a, a combine where we brought the the top guys from each back and then he picked his team from there. So the strategy for marketing at that time, uh, Colby did a great job of, 
Uh, we got some posters and we put them up at every indoor place within, I don't know, 50, 60 miles of us, a lot in the suburbs. Um, we put them, we put them up, up in Rockford. We put them obviously locally. We put them up everywhere we could. Uh, we did a little target marketing within our budget, I think, uh, through Facebook and stuff early on. And I think we kind of hit at the right time where, uh, we had a very professional look, even though nobody really knew much about us. And Mm -hmm. we looked, we looked, we looked the part and people, the players, showed us that they wanted to be a part of something like that um and i guess as we're trying to share knowledge for other clubs one of the one of the things that we got immediate feedback from was when players tried showed up to that first tryout we had a well-oiled machine for checking them in uh signing them numbers um filling out waivers paperwork whatever it was they walked in and it looked like a professional organization even though we were you know, had a thousand bucks in the checkbook or whatever, but, Mm -hmm. uh, we were fortunate. We had uh, pretty good volunteer staff, even at that, those early days, which was a a lot of the board, the board, uh, you know, a few friends here and there helped out, but people came in, they got their shirts and coach put together a nice first tryout. And Mm -hmm. we had, I'm trying to think how many guys we had, but I think he had a a bunch of extra evaluators there. So players were getting a lot of eyes on him. And yeah. it wasn't just here. It's 11 V 11, go knock it out. It was, it was small sided stuff. He ran them through, you know, all kinds of stuff. And so I think the first impression from the players was, wow, this was, you know, a cool experience. Mm-hmm. And uh, the numbers, you know, coming into that, I should have looked these up before uh, today, <laughs> but I mean, we ended up with those two open tryouts. I think we had 110, 110 or 120 players total come out. Um, and we didn't know what to expect. You know, we hoped, mm-hmm. we hoped for 10, we hoped for 20, but to have uh, 50 or 60 at, at each tryout created a pretty big player pool for coach to not only evaluate talent, right? You can see if somebody can play the game, but we're doing that in January and February of 18 and trying to figure out if these guys can ball and if they're going to show up in April and Hey, we can't, we can't cut a, a player or we don't want to cut a player and then have the other guy change his mind that, Oh, I'm moving away to go to school mm-hmm. and whatever. So it's, it was interesting. And I, I've told coach a thousand times. I love that. I didn't have anything to do with it. <laughs> yeah. It's a logistical nightmare. Yeah. Um, look, I'm, we're going to have a little break here. Just uh, we gather our thoughts, and then we'll be back in 30 seconds or so. Just a message from our sponsors, as they say. Before we went away, we spoke about, or you spoke about, the impression that the players were getting at tryouts of professionalism. And it's a flippant point, but I think it's, you know, it's testament to a bigger picture, is that one of the things that this club always gets kudos for is the badge. All right? Um, How did that come about? Uh, well, the, the dream for the logo, which we had to put together before our July launch in 2017 mm-hmm. was, um, you know, again, we had that early board, uh, Brian, Steve, Colby, Jenny, and myself. And, uh, you know, obviously the logo was not one of the first things we thought of at all, but it certainly was something we had to think about looking back. It was still pretty early in the process, but, um, Jenny immediately said, Hey, I've got, uh, 
an artist in town that went to Sycamore High School that does uh, all kinds of wonderful things. And I wonder if we reached out to him, if he would come up with something. And we really didn't have, you know, what it is now is totally from him because we had no real ideas of what it would look like or whatever. And uh, he sent us some samples and we sat around one night and went, went through our favorite options. And we just finally said, that's it. We're going to run. That's mm -hmm. it. We're going with that. Someday I'll, I've got all his hand-drawn sketches of his other, other ones. I've got those mm -hmm. and someday we'll uh, release those because they're kind of cool, but I was going to wait till we're five or 10 years down the road, but um, <laughs> when they're worth something, well, just, you know, I just, it's nostalgic, especially to yeah. me. So, um, so sure. he came up with his Mike Figueroa. Uh, he did a wonderful job and um, he uh, put it all together for us. And, and he came up, you know, the, the, br the simple brilliance of the yellow soccer ball looking like corn. Mm -hmm. But it, for me, it, it was really cool because, um, our community is known for growing things, you know, we're very agricultural community and it was like, wow, there's a soccer ball that's growing and our club is growing. And that's, that's all we're trying to do. We're just trying to grow mm -hmm. a thing. And, uh, so it had a little bit more symbolism certainly sure. to me, but, um, yeah. And the color, the color scheme too, is simple things like the color scheme, none of the high schools around here and I use red and black it's our own colors. It's not yeah. conflicting with one of the schools or whatever it was. So, I mean, a lot of things about it kind of made it unique and, and our own. And uh, we've been cool. thrilled with it, obviously. Totally. Totally prize winners, you know. Um, and th this guy, he drove it all. There was very little influence from you. You didn't have an idea when you had in terms of color schemes or fonts or anything. No, I think the only thing we might've given him was that obviously we would like to tie into agriculture somehow. Mm -hmm. but you know to do the leaves and stuff like he did and i think i even shared several other club logos and just kind of said here's what some other ones in different leagues do just because he's not wasn't really a big soccer guy mm -hmm. not sure if he even is now but um <laughs> anyway so he kind of was able to pull some inspiration from other things that he saw and he came up with it and and yeah away we go no it's, i mean I think we're testament to the fact that it's worked a treat, right? So sure. we're very happy with it. And if we ever see him around town, I'll buy him a beer. Um, one thing I want to get to is if we're professional looking, how did that come about? Like, and, and I don't mean that as any inference to any of the volunteers involved or the people that are planning behind the scenes. But if we, if the, if the players are saying, you know, it felt like a professionally run thing and we've got a good look, we've established that now, um, where did you, how did it come about? How did you work out that you needed to do, fill out this paperwork, that paperwork, and you need, it should be done this way and not that way? Because I still see, see clubs now saying, you know, we've got tryouts, turn up at the car park at 10 o'clock. Right. Why did we say, why did we, you say, let's book it in advance, let's get everything going on through the door? Why did you do it the way you were doing it, I suppose? Well, um, sort of, some of it was very accidental. But some of it was very um, intentional. So we wanted to do online registration uh, because, first of all, I wanted to know how many to plan for. Second of all, I wanted to get the money in so we could order the T-shirts because I can't order T-shirts. I'm not going to order T-shirts for 50 people and only seven show up. And then mm -hmm. those, are, those are the kinds of small decisions that can really hurt you, though, when you don't have the revenue. So yeah. 
Um, doing it all online ahead of time was, was kind of a no brainer in that regard. And then as far as like uh, at showing up at tryouts, I think that's probably more, uh, that's the way my brain works is I want, I know there's going to be chaos when you have 50 people showing up to something. And these are people in a tryout environment that don't, you know, some of them have never tried out for anything other than a high school team or maybe their college team and maybe, you know, whatever. Um, I wanted it to feel special, whether they made it or not, that it was a, a unique experience. And I knew it was going to be just a little chaotic in the hallway outside the field. Cause it was, um, January we did indoor tryout. Um, so, so, and then it goes back to, um, Jenny's event planning experience that you, you don't have a wedding and not have a plan of action. We're having 50 people over for a tryout. We need to have a plan of action. So they're going to come in here. They're going to check in. If they're a walk-in, then they got to pay. So they go here and we just, you know, and then just kind of line it up. And mm -hmm. I didn't realize at the time how important that was. It's just kind of the way we do things or we try to do things. But I, I got a lot of feedback after the fact from the players as they were leaving that this was really cool. Or we heard it from the coaches that, Hey, the players loved it. It was professional. And I think that, um, that really kind of, it set the tone for us then that, okay, this is what we've established, even though it was a little bit accidental, this is what people see. And a lot of times that's the reality. What they think we are is what we are. So yeah. that kind of, it was a, it was a great thing that happened mostly by mistake. <laughs> no, but it's a great template for to build off it for us, and you know, hopefully to roll out for the other guys is what like you know, present yourselves as you want to be seen, right? Right, right. Even even unintentionally, as you started off doing it, it's now now it's the standard for us, isn't it? You know, we we have fun, but we do it seriously. Uh, yeah, and I think it's I think that's the important thing about it is that we are also in our community trying to differentiate ourselves as not a Sunday league team. You know, we're asking for financial support in a big way from a lot of people. And I don't know how many people give Sunday league teams the kind of revenue we needed to, to run the club. So if we don't look professional, nobody's going to take us seriously. Mm -hmm. And like the X's and O's of how we pulled it off, totally accidental. But we also knew that we needed, we want to, we want to appear as professional as possible, even if we're on a amateur club budget. Yeah. It's that thin, thin divide line between style and style over substance being a good thing and style over substance being a negative, right? Correct. Yeah. All right. Sweet. Um, how did we end up with the UPSL as was? Um, Lack of so, options? Well, it was kind of by default. Yeah. Because, um, we had looked at the PLA because that's where we talked about Aurora and Elgin and Audrea was playing there. And the PLA seemed to be, that was the plan. And then um, some point that fall of 17, the PLA merged or whatever and became the UPSL Midwest conference. And I wasn't going to, I mean, really, there wasn't a lot of options, but yeah. the UPSL offered a, a pretty fair cost to enter. Um, there was some appeal because it was a national league. And again, our two closest opponents were playing there. So if I want to be sustainable, I have to follow suit, especially mm -hmm. since we didn't know what we were doing yet. 
And so, yeah, the, actually I talked to the UPSL and the PLA and then we were kind of just forced into UPSL, uh, for 2018, but it made the Mm -hmm. most sense and it, you know, it worked out fine, but it was, um, it was really the only option at this level. Yeah. Realistically, the only other alternative would be that the Chicago league, wouldn't it? The national league in Chicago, which wasn't, isn't. Even even though state cup results say otherwise, it wasn't of the same standard that we wanted. Yeah, I, I think that. Yeah, correct. We wanted to go a little bigger, even though mm-hmm. they got some really good teams. Um, yeah, and and to, to we talked we touched on it earlier. We didn't know what kind of talent we were going to have anyway, and mm-hmm. and we were willing to sacrifice talent to get the right kinds of people, if that's what it takes, for the long term. So it wasn't so much about the level of competition. It was about the logistics and the, uh, all, all, you know, all, all those factors. It wasn't just let's mm-hmm. go find the best 11 guys we can play against that. That never really, really was part of the conversation. No, indeed. indeed. So we've got the tryouts. We've selected our first 30 guys. We've got the badge in the background. We've got the kit designed. How do we get guys onto the pitch? for the first official training session, shall we say, rather than the, not the first game, but just like, these, these, this is our team now, this is our club. How does that happen? Um, so we, Coach picked, I'm trying to think how many he took that first camp. We took 45, um, probably 45, into sort of our April training camp. So if I remember right, I know I talked about it before. We played old boys on the 14th of April in an indoor friendly. We played some preseason in April and then the season, the regular season kind of started in May when we played May, June, July or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so we started training about April, whatever, like the first Tuesday of that April was. And we trained uh, a couple of weeks and we do our club because of our climate in Northern Illinois. We do uh, indoor training at the rec center for the month of April, just so that we make sure we don't have weather related issues as we're trying to prepare, even though it's not ideal to be inside, it kind of, it makes more sense for us. At least that's what we've done so far. So, so coach had the guys out. um, And I think that's, that's where it got interesting because that's where he learned. And we learned that when these guys came out, we played a couple friendlies and they didn't see many minutes and realized that they're not starters and, this club suddenly wasn't for them. And mm-hmm. um, so he did, he did well anticipating that. Um, but it was, it really was a good environment. We had, we had good players, hardworking players competing at every training session. And once we started having those friendly games and coach could say, no, no, I told you, you're my third option in this position and you've got to work harder. And when guys started seeing him, starting those guys that, you know, were the better players or coming to practice or whatever, it really uh, set the tone to get that culture like I talked about. So mm-hmm. uh, and that was pretty exciting. I remember um, going back to our first tryout. I remember thinking, I think at that time it was, it was just over 12 months or right at, right at one year since we started talking about the club to the time we kicked our first ball. I mean, that was all crazy administrative time. Yeah. And I'd look back and go, man, I wonder what else I could have done in that time. (laughs) Didn't didn't realize I had that free time or made the free time in my life to do something. So Mm -hmm. it was, uh, 
it was it was I was uh, actually a little emotional with that first tryout. It was just like, man, and, and not only that, it was full, you know, 50, 60 guys, 70 guys, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Like people actually showed up. This is a big yeah. deal. Totally. So, um, so that was a, yeah, it was a lot of fun once we got to that point where we actually could start talking to the guys and uh, start putting all of our dreams sort of in motion. Mm-hmm. Like when it becomes real, I guess. Yep. You. What caught you by surprise in this whole thing? What was if there was one thing that was a big takeaway of like Jesus? I was not expecting that. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't really know that anything big jumped out as um, as you know a, a hurdle or something. That I think it's just been a lot of little lessons along the way. You learn little things. Yeah. Um, you know, one one thing I did a lot before in that first year, in twenty seventeen. Uh, you know, I talked to everybody, and that's how I ran across Cliff at Dubuque. He was starting his club. We collaborated a lot. I talked to Ben up at Oakland County. I talked to anybody that would talk to me about what we were about to get into. And I didn't, I didn't stop that um, moving forward because as we were growing and we're paying attention to what we're doing, there's, you know, dozens of other clubs around the country popping up, starting their own and they're doing it different. And Mm -hmm. I think that was, that was kind of the nice thing was we tried to anticipate those problems that other people were having and or that we saw, you know, whether a team folded or whatever, we try to go, man, what did they do wrong? And then we, mm. we try to learn from it. But I don't, I don't know that there was necessarily anything that jumped out like, man, we weren't ready for that. Obviously, the mm. uh, just the overall cost of running the club and and that relentless pursuit of sponsors and stuff that that's one thing that's hard because that doesn't go away. Um, no, totally. That's one thing uh, that definitely we, to- is, we totally need to talk about that sooner rather than later. I don't think today's the right episode but i think maybe next time we will talk about the hardships of money in terms of you know we're a non-profit but we need sponsorship we're volunteer run etc etc all that sort of nitty-gritty stuff of how we've done it because there you know there's as many clubs as there are there's as many models as to run to do this right um and as we keep on saying ours is just one way but we're the ones with the microphone so we're going to talk about our way sure yeah um what would you like to tell someone sitting and listening to this now who's, you know, is you four years ago? Is there anything you'd like to tell them? Well, you mean as far as the uh, uh, starting out, starting a club from yeah, scratch? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not yeah, it's, yeah. yeah, it's a, um, I'll tell you, like I, like I said last time we talked, it's it's been an amazing experience in a lot of ways and I've learned so much and um you know, I think one thing that, that I, I think we lucked into very much. So was as we were starting to kind of put things together, uh, I always tell people it's a, it's a ton of work and I do a lot, but I don't do it all. And we're not here because of me. We're here because of a lot of people. And I say we lucked out because that first board I talked about, um, Jenny has, um, event planning background among other things. Brian does financials. Um, Steve, who I talked about, had a little bit of marketing background with uh, working with nonprofits. And and Colby was an uh, online marketing person. So he was good with graphics. He made us look great online. And you, if, you, if you go, well, I got to right, put 
say I got to pick five people to start a club. Those are the things that you would try to come up with. And we didn't, we didn't grow that because we identified those needs. That just mm-hmm. happens to be the skill sets of the people that liked our ideas and maybe looking back, we'll think they were crazy enough to say yes, that, you know, it really it kind of gave us a great balance of, you know, Brian still to this day continues to check anytime. Hey, we're going to, we want to do this. And he always, Hey, what's it going to cost? Is it going to make us stronger long-term? And he kind of mm-hmm. provides that checks and balances on the financial side. Um, so it was really great that we were able to bring the right people together. Uh, everybody kind of pulled their weight and did some work. We were able to assign projects. We were, we stayed organized as a small group and more than anything, uh, as you've seen, Nick, with you, with you coming on board and a ton of other people, we, we were able to put our advisory board together. And that's a group of us, uh, myself and you and so many other people that we kind of do the day-to-day stuff now. And then the board kind of can become more, it's kind of flip-flop. They're, they're kind of just generally overseeing what we're doing to make sure that we're within the mission of the club. Um and then everybody's able to be as active as they want to, or as mm-hmm. their lifestyle allows without stressing anybody out that it's a full-time volunteer position. So uh, we certainly, lo- we lucked into volunteers and you, I'd love to hear how did we sucker you into all this craziness? <laughs> because I mean, that's, that's one of the things that I'm fascinated with is the, the re why do we have so many volunteers and so many other clubs tell me that they're envious of that. And I don't know mm-hmm. what the key, I don't know why that is. I don't, and I, I've, I haven't laid awake at night thinking about it, but it is, you know, it is curious to me as to why there are so many people in the area who are prepared to give their time for free without wanting to play. Um, but I think, yeah, I think the one thing I want to emphasize there, if anyone is still listening to this, is that I think it's very important to think about who you're getting on board with at the outset, right? The skill sets that they're bringing. It's, it's fine if you're drinking buddies. It's fine if you, if you, complement each other on the left side, right? They're, they're fantastic things to have, but you've got to have a business acumen in there. You've got to have design acumen in there. You've got to have marketing. You've got to have all these little things that to a greater or less extent need to be people's specialties over and above being soccer players or soccer fans. Um, and your own little drinking gang isn't necessarily going to cut it a year from now because there are so many things that require a serious head. I think. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. And I think the other thing is when you have a group that everybody gets along and everything's great, there's probably the ringleader that's pushing it. And then everybody just agrees. And Mm -hmm. I think we, our strengths early on were, we'd say, Hey, we're going to send this out. And somebody within that first board would go, did we think of this? And we were constantly challenging each other on our ideas because, you know, maybe one of us is single, one of us is married, one of us is married with a bunch of kids. Everybody had, you know, different ages. Everybody brought a different thing that you say, well, nobody looks at this anymore. Well, actually Mm -hmm. I do every day. So that is important that we market it there. And we were able to really kick around a lot of things. So don't get outside your comfort zone is, is probably a good thing to say. Bring in people that you're not real familiar with get to know people. Um, and honestly, that's how I met you, Nick. And that's how we got to mm-hmm. this point was we, we didn't know each other until this 
crazy yep. train started and you you've tested me a lot along the way and questioned you know whether it's should I even be doing it or should somebody else be doing it or should we try this and I think that's that's what makes it great is it's not one person's vision for what we are it's all of you in the community or yeah. or even people out you don't even live in our community and you <laughs> are a believer in what we're doing and that's why yeah. you help I think so so it's, there's a lot of different things, but yeah, don't be afraid to be challenged and don't just take any business, right? You don't want a bunch of yes men or women, no. um, you know, just going along with you. You, you got to have some creativity and different ideas. Absolutely. Absolutely. Any, any business out there, like if, if you're recruiting people who look like you and sound like you and talk like you and whatever, like you think like you, that's great for a bit because it's an ego boost. But after a while, you're screwed, right? Because you're just getting the same ideas. Right repackaged yep. slightly differently and you yeah, need different ideas yeah yep. okay um i think that's enough for now we're good all good now the time has come for leaving fear now we shall return we were so glad we could make it, but so sad we gotta run. Well, it might be a long time till we raise another glass. You can rest assured that next time we'll have ourselves a laugh. Yeah, we'll have ourselves a laugh.